your marketing team is going to want to make sure that you include documentation in every shipment to make the customer happy. So that's an insert. So their fee is 50 cents per insert. So that's another $5,000. And you want to include a packing slip so the customer knows what they ordered, what they paid, what's included in the box, and maybe some messaging on the bottom of your packing slip. For them, that's a dollar a packing slip, whether it's inside or outside the box. So that's another $10,000. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. When you look at the e-commerce fulfillment space, there are many options out there and most of these options could appear very similar. In fact, sometimes it's very hard to spot the difference between a 3PL and e-commerce fulfillment software as both software might appear similar. Just because your Shopify can integrate with their 3PL software, it's not meant to be a replacement for your order management platform. Should not even be compared in the software category. It's just another channel similar to EDI or integration with the traditional 3PL. The newer breed of 3PL offers deeper software capabilities than your traditional 3PLs. So where does ship hype fit in the food chain? In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss ship hype's capabilities. We discussed their strengths and weaknesses and why they should not be confused with an e-commerce platform. Finally, we discussed their pricing, comparison with the traditional 3PL players and the value they offer for the e-commerce merchants. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you're joining for the first time, this is part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one vendor or the solution from the e-commerce community. We review them independently, and we always have an expert panel that is uh, willing to share their insights and, and wisdom. For today, we have a very interesting vendor, and sometimes these vendors could be extremely confusing. So in this particular case, this vendor is going to be Ship Hype, and they are 3PL. Now, you never saw 3PL as being the in the sort of the e-commerce software platform space. But now that 3PLs are developing a lot of software capabilities, so it becomes very confusing. So we are going to dig into their model, how they sort of play in the architecture, and we are going to have a lot of fun with that. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intro. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta. I am principal at Elevate IQ. I have roughly 20 years of experience in ERP, digital transformation. E-commerce is always at the heart of it. Uh, Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and uh, digital transformation consulting firm. We help our clients with ERP selection, implementation, etc. And then I am going to move to Phil for his intro. 
Hi, everybody. I'm Phil Kerper, Managing Director of Ringling Business Solutions. We help executive management teams align their digital strategy along with their core business practices for success. Uh, I've been in the C-suite uh, implementing uh, several digital transformations, ERPs, front-end uh, upgrades in, uh, in mid-sized businesses for several decades, and uh, really looking forward to being here today. Thanks for being here, Phil. Robert, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Absolutely. My name is Robert Brown, Robert Brown uh, E-Commerce Consulting. I've been in e-commerce for over 20 years. Uh, I started in the Fortune 50 with big travel and uh, financial firms doing their e-commerce. And then I moved into the mid-tier of um, larger, mid-sized firms. So I help companies implement best practice and ensure that when they're implementing or trying to do a transformation, that they're looking at it from the customer perspective and generating the revenue that they think they should. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, uh, Robert. And uh, before we start, if you are in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure you guys send your questions and comments. Typically, we try to cover them during the show. If you run out of time, our panelists are going to make sure that you receive your answers. So I am going to start with a little brief overall uh, in terms of ship height. So they are one of the newest 3PL vendors and we have seen uh, a lot of uh, 3PL vendors. I mean, these are slightly more technology companies. They are not traditional 3PL. Traditionally, 3PL was more of the logistic companies. They have they had far more expertise overall with the warehousing logistics, but the newer vendors are more of the e-commerce company. Uh, and they are really, their sweet spot is really the technology. In fact, if you look at their, you know, the, the website, their presence, you know, it's going to appear as if they are modern uh, startups. So in this particular case, obviously they are going to have far deeper software capabilities. And that's where the newer 3PLs really differentiate. And sometimes you are probably going to pay a price tag for that because they are going to have probably superior capabilities overall from the software perspective. One of the other things that you are going to notice with these newer 3PLs is they try to do a lot more in general, That especially when you look at them from the marketplace perspective. So if you compare the traditional 3PL versus the modern 3PL, uh, the modern 3PL will be able to do a lot more from the Amazon Compliance perspective, for example, let's say if you need to process your inventory return, if you are selling on the Amazon for the first time, it could be a frightening experience. Uh, so these guys can take care of all of that so that you don't have to maintain your warehouses. Now, in the case of Ship Hype, uh, they are very, very, very new in the market, but obviously they have really good presence overall from the marketing perspective. That's why they are kind of popular, especially in the e-commerce community uh, among uh, Amazon sellers. Uh, they have integration with Shopify. So you are probably going to find them on the Shopify app. And that's where sometimes it will be very confusing whether they are real uh, sort of the, the e-commerce fulfillment platform. Sometimes they define that. We have seen terms used as e-commerce operations platform. Uh, and again, you know, this all could be confusing. In their case, they are managing your uh, warehouse fulfillment from the 3PL perspective, but it is not really your platform. So you are probably going to have one more platform. Again, if you are starting in your e-commerce business, then that's a different story that probably you can live just with Shopify. You can outsource everything to this 3PL. Uh, the integration is going to be out of the box, so you still manage 
but once you go, then you probably would require your own uh, own platform. So I am going to pause here and fill Robert commentary, please. Yeah, I think the other thing that'll surely come up over this hour, Sam, is just this particular model and where you are, where uh, your client is at from a business growth standpoint. And at what point in time on your journey or your client's journey does this product really fit? Um, it's probably a bridge product from point A to point B over some time. And uh, I'm sure we'll also have some conversations about some of the some of the potential risks you're taking you know, if you're if you're allowing the front end of your business to be basically managed by a third party. So I'm sure uh, in addition to this particular product, there's some good conversation that we can have about this particular concept. I agree. Robert? I agree with what Phil said. It's 3PL is a bridge uh, for some organizations and you have to know your numbers cold. Um, and sometimes you need somebody to help you walk through those to make sure that you're properly accounting for every cost and every scenario so you're not blindsided. I completely agree. All right, guys. So if you have any other comments, uh, we will start with the review. And here they have positioned themselves as ship, uh, ship high is an e-commerce order fulfillment solution. We store and ship products from their warehouses on behalf of other business. So they have sort of clarified in the first line, it could be slightly confusing because they are calling themselves as the order fulfillment solution if i were doing the marketing for them then i would probably call it as um, you know third party e-commerce fulfillment solution to, to clarify because you know you are not fulfilling every single order that the e-commerce merchants are going to have so that is slightly misleading but i think they have clarified that in the next one um so that's probably okay uh, now in the next one they are saying we support businesses who sell in online platforms such as amazon shopify woocommerce which is which is uh, true as well. They have integration with all of this, so they are not overqualifying themselves. Uh, you know, they are not overquoting themselves. So I, I like the way they have position. Uh, then they have some more commentary here, which is going to be we have a direct integration with Shopify, Amazon, WooCommerce, Walmart, Magento, Etsy, uh, eBay, BigCommerce. Now, when you read this, again, you are going to be very confused. Okay, this integration exists, let's say, with tools like Channel Advisor, or we have reviewed Zental or Webgility, okay? Each of them are claiming that they all have integration. But one thing you need to understand is they all have a role to play in the architecture. In their case, if you are outsourcing everything to them, then they can consolidate all of these orders for you. They are going to be taking care of the warehouse for you. But that is typically not the norm with based on what I have personally seen with the e-commerce businesses. Even the larger e-commerce businesses are going to outsource some of their 3PL, uh, you know, to, to some of the 3PLs, but that is going to be, let's say if they don't have presence in a, in a specific area, then they will, uh, you know, outsource those SKUs or specific geography is what they are going to outsource. They don't outsource their complete business. When startups start, sometimes they might outsource everything. I think Phil is going to have comment there. Uh, probably that's not a good idea. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to hold that for a, for a future slide, but you're exactly right. That's one of those. Be careful about controlling the front end of your business points. Agreed. Completely agreed. 
So here, obviously, this is a very, very, very new business. I mean, you know, they are saying that they have five warehouses. If you look at the size of the warehouse, it's almost like, what, 8,000 square feet. Uh, you know, a decent size, $10, $20 million business or maybe $50 million is probably going to have two to three, four warehouses. So it almost seems like they are just like a, you know, $50 million business, but they are obviously serving a lot more customers. So size, from the size perspective, they are a very, very, very uh, small 3PL at this point of time. Uh, they have three warehouses in Canada, two in California, uh, and they are claiming that 200 active clients and they are, you know, they are averaging roughly, what, $1,000 per month. So obviously, the client base that they have is very small, which is okay. But I think they have done a commendable job since they are so early in their journey. I mean, 200 clients, uh, you know, so I, I kind of like it. Say, Robert, would you have a concern about coverage with those DC locations? I would. Um, so that that's where you really have to understand your business and do some analysis and understand where most of your orders come from. If you're an East Coast-based business and let's say you only ship in the United States, all right? So having two warehouses in California, you're going to be paying a premium to cover the rest of the United States. I completely agree. Okay. Especially if you're, so the way they've termed it is platforms, Shopify, Amazon, WooCommerce, Walmart, Magento, Etsy, eBay, BigCommerce. So there's, there's really two different things. There's marketplaces and there's yep. platforms. And so if you're a marketplace seller, and you're not FBA at Amazon, you're solo fulfilled, you know, that means that you have the product in your warehouse and you're responsible for shipping it out and you're responsible for meeting the Amazon um, metrics to keep that prime standing. And if you mess that up, you'll lose prime. So handing that off to a third party, you need to, you know, make 100% certain that they're meeting the metrics so you don't lose prime. Because if you lose prime, your sales shut off. And it's it's tough to get back. Yeah, completely agree. Great insights. Um, any other comments, guys? Okay. So here, the way they have defined, uh, you know, they are saying that order fulfillment in uh, three steps. Uh, and again, when I read this, you know, sometimes it can be very confusing, uh, especially, let's say, if you are newer in your journey and you don't really understand how different players and the platforms operate in, in the e-commerce space. So here they are saying seamless integration, pick and pack, ship to customers. Again, you know, in my eyes, I the messaging is going to read similar when you look at some of the warehouse platform because that's exactly what they are going to do. So be careful when you read this. You know, this is a 3PL platform. It's very different from a warehouse platform somebody else might be selling. So when you are, let's say, uh, you know, talking to these guys or or... Uh, you know, getting this platform, make sure you understand that you are getting a 3PL. Uh, you are not getting some sort of, you know, WMS platform because the messaging is going to read, uh, you know, similar. So here they are saying ship to customers, we ship your packages for you. Uh, save up to 76% on shipping. And I think they, we saw this in the last review that we had done. And I don't recall which platform was that. Do you guys remember by any chance? Uh, the last one is Ordoro, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Ordoro. right. So, in their case, also, what they had done is they had the, I believe, the free offer for the shipping. And the only reason why they are able to do that is because they are making a cut from these shipping vendors. So, that should be part of your cost analysis as well. So, the way Robert had said, obviously, these guys are going to have far deeper discount because they have the enterprise deal for 200 customers. So, you might not be able to get that deal. 
from the shipping vendors. They might probably have cheaper rates uh, than you, but obviously, you know, they are going to have, uh, you know, cut there as well. So make sure you 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 understand uh, when you are trying to evaluate that. Yeah, when when you're doing shipping for orders, specifically for Amazon, right? So when you're Prime, you have to deliver it in two days. And depending on the location, you can deliver that ground. So FedEx and UPS give you this, this area. So if I ship a package from here in the New York metro area by ground, it will get to Boston tomorrow. But if you have somebody that doesn't understand that or isn't paying attention and sends it overnight, oh my goodness, you've gone from, you know, $10 for a package to $30 for a package and, and eradicated all of your profit. And, and along a similar line, you know, Telling me a percent savings means absolutely zero to me. You know that that anybody who's dealt in in trying to deal with freight costs, you know the 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 pricing strategy. You know what is that based? You know you, you know take UPS for example. Everybody everybody you know looks at their top pricing and there's a discount schedule that's as complicated as you can possibly be. UPS probably doesn't even know how it works. Yep. So so you, you got to look at dollars on this. You know you got to say what am I spending and what are they saying and is there a guarantee behind that? They're just estimating that to Robert's point, and it's not buttoned down on how they're handling it. You know, you can go the other way real fast. You know, Robert, in your example, even if they saved them 30% on on freight, they still sent it uh, next day air, and they blew up the idea because they didn't just put it ground to Boston as they should have in the first place. And having worked for UPS for a number of years, I understand their system intimately. There are so many nuances to the pricing models for every single person that, you know, you can't just have a blatant statement. You actually have to be able to compare if so in, in this uh, ship hype, they say that you can have no more than a thousand SKUs. So you actually have to start with one SKU and say, OK, what is my current contract rate with my current shipping provider and compare that to ship hype to understand, OK, what is my warehousing cost? What is my pick, my pack, my receiving, my returns, my you know shipping to uh, a typical address across the United States and compare those prices. Right. And it's so, traditional uh, 3PL and I've, I've signed them up. I signed the contracts, you know, move towards 3PL in certain business units. And there is a tremendous amount of analysis work done by them on looking at your freight, looking at your lanes, looking at your mixes, looking at, you know, your velocities, all those things so that they can set a baseline freight and actually put some an expectation in place on what your savings going to be and 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 how they're going to participate in in sharing that savings which is typical in the model so i am actually going to have a question for you guys for robert uh you know so let's say if that scenario happens where you are saying that i if i were sending the package i'll be sending using ground but they probably uh you know sent it using overnight so would I not get that in my platform that they actually sent it overnight and then I can call them that? Why did you do that? Or uh, is there not going to be some sort of contract in place and what they are allowed to do? Not having seen theirs, there should be a contract in place that stipulates what what you want them to do for each type of package, each type of order. And there should be an override or an exception process that they should reach out to you. You know, if if it's near the end of the day or if they were out and suddenly they received it, you know, near, well, let's say that you went out of stock on an item and you got a delivery during the day and they realize, okay, we can fulfill this and you don't have to cancel that order because it's much better to fulfill than cancel an order. So you need to understand from them 
you know, what, what is that exception processing? What, what is, what are those guarantees and what, what is the order flow going to be? Because they don't in the materials that we have from them, they don't talk to us about that. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, uh, you know, overall, from the concern perspective, let's say if this happens in a one-off scenario, you can obviously talk to them and, and, and place the concern. I don't know if this is going to be uh, too much of a big deal because, you know, if they are giving you really discounts on the, the pricing that they are offering. And in one case, let's say if they sent out whatever here and let's say if you lose $20 on one shipment, what's a big deal? You can always call them and, and uh, you know, get that figured out. Is that going to be a real concern? Uh, that. That would be a concern. Anytime that you start saying it's acceptable to lose money on an order, it becomes easier and easier to do it. And suddenly you're losing money on 30% of your orders and then there goes your entire margin. Well, and, I, and I'll even broad this out that you're also uh, with a 3PL, you, you have a general dispute process issue that you have to make sure is buttoned down. Yeah. There are always disputes on the freight side of a business. You know, there's damage shipments, there's missed shipments, there's returns, there's all sorts of things that, you know, you know, the, a, a shipment ends up, uh, you know, getting lost in, in, in a DC somewhere and you're wondering where it is. Those you've, you've outsourced some of that. And so having a really good dispute resolution process with the 3PL and making sure they're a company that you can trust and you can count on to play ball straight up with you is a big deal, especially as your business scales. You know, there's if you take a look at what Amazon does now, when they deliver a package, they typically take a picture of wherever they've left the package. And they send that to you as proof of delivery. The other carriers do not. And so if the customer calls up and files a claim saying it's damaged, what is the dispute resolution process with these guys versus somebody else? You know, are you the owner of the product or, you know, your company? Are you responsible for chasing this down? So you, you have to go through your 3PL and then the carrier and then to the customer or just the 3PL and, that has to be discussed to make sure that you understand, you know, I've, I've seen where FedEx threw a $4,000 keyboard over a fence because the driver just wanted to make sure that it was delivered and it was safe. He didn't want to leave it outside the fence. Okay, fine. So it's a, it's an eight foot fence and he takes it and he pushes it over the fence and it falls on the other side and the package is damaged. And, you know, we get a picture from the customer saying, look what FedEx did in my box. I'm like, great. You know, we haven't even opened yet, so we don't even know if the keyboard's damaged or not. So here, and we can get to this later, is what is the return process? Or do they have reverse logistics? What, what's going on there? Right. Yeah. And, may, and and on all of those examples, your customer is calling you. Yep. And then you have to call somebody else in order to get a resolution. So in the and you are in no position ever. In my opinion, you're never in position to say, I'm not the one who owns this. You never can tell a customer, I got to call this other guy, right? So it can be very frustrating for your for your customer service reps. It can be very frustrating for your customers because you're over here on the other side trying to resolve something. And, and these guys are saying, well, why don't you just answer my question? Why don't you just tell me what you're going to do? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but guys, I mean, we are going to review that on the slides that they do have uh, reverse logistics capabilities. They are taking care of that. I don't know how the call exchange is going to work. Uh, you know, I think that's going to be probably fun experience. Uh, but since they are small, probably they are going out of their way to to handle the customers, I guess. So we'll review yeah, all and, of that. And Sam, sorry to interrupt, but this the, the, some of this conversation is related to 3PLs, not just yeah. to this particular 3PL. 
I agree. And, and I think the, the messaging that's going to be around as we talk about in, you know, this particular one and then in general, 3PLs can be really, really great, powerful tools as you scale your business. But you got to make sure to what Robert said that you understand the numbers and you got to make sure you understand how the customer service process is going to work as you get into these things and that it's a trusted partner for your business. I completely agree, guys. Uh, okay, so here, uh, a couple of more things. They have a limit of a thousand SKUs for some reason. I don't know why that limit is there. They are saying that if the account is big enough, then we'll make the exception. But I don't know why they have the uh, thousand SKU per client limit. I don't know whether you guys have seen anything related to that. Now, they are saying that we can perform all kinds of tasks uh, ranging from bundling, la labeling, uh, counting inventory, kitchen, uh, polybagging, bubble bagging, photo and photo requests, and more. And obviously, this is again 3PL. This is not for uh, if you are have your own warehouse along with 3PL. Then obviously, you have to manage your own as well. Uh, here, they are saying they can do labeling, palletization, kidding. Uh, you know, so they can do a lot more overall uh, from the operations perspective that your traditional 3PL may not be able to accommodate. Uh, I have seen a lot of constraints overall with a lot of 3PL, traditional 3PL. Uh, even, you know, smallest of the smallest are going to have minimum order quantity. They don't work with the smaller e-commerce vendors. So that's another point that you probably should be thinking. And these guys are small, so I don't know if they are, they are going to be able to accommodate anybody and everybody, but they typically have the minimum order quantity. So here, this is how the platform looks like. Now, if you are going to compare this with any other platform that we have reviewed in the last three or four or five sessions, they all appear very similar. Okay, that's my concern a little bit, right? So these guys are trying to consolidate the orders from every single place. You are going to have the status. You are going to have how they shipped Robert, I guess. You know, the way the platform looks. My understanding based on this platform is going to be the customers are probably going to get some sort of customer portal where they can attract their own orders. They can track, you know, what is the status of, of the order is, and they can do a lot of, uh, you know, self-service capabilities, uh, you know, in the platform itself. So it's not going to be as bad as you would face, let's say, if you are working with the traditional PTL because you need to call these guys. But in this particular case, they are going to give you a lot more data at your fingertips to be able to track that. But if you still have a problem, obviously, they are going to, probably going to be available um, to answer the questions. So this is how the consolidation is going to look like. But again, this is 3PL, guys. This is not your e-commerce operations fulfillment platform that sits on top of QuickBooks. This is not that. Okay, so I want to make sure you all understand that. So here they are saying orders, returns, uh, the customers and the products. But from the overall layout perspective, they all look very similar. So again, it will be very confusing for the e-commerce merchants, especially if you don't have much of experience with these platforms. Um, here, they are the Amazon partner as well. And Robert, I don't know if you are going to have any sort of comment there in terms of either conflict of interest or I don't know what partnership would mean in the case of 3PL. Is it going to help? Is it going to hurt? But they seem to be the certified partner for Amazon. I think that this definitely helps if you do FBA because in one of the slides, it talks about how they will actually prep product um, for FBA for you. Some people get it wrong and that's a problem. Yeah. So basically, uh, the way I am reading this based on your explanation is if they are going to be certified uh, official partner, they are probably going to have 
the training material, the right certification, the education, so that you probably have better control, I guess. Is that what you are saying, Robert? Yes. Okay, perfect. And do we, do you have a sense for how rigorous that certification process is for Amazon and how, how many people have it? It's interesting that these guys, as young as they are and where they are in their journey, that they're certified. Is that, what Do you think that was difficult for them? I don't know. I, I personally have not gone through the certification process to know how rigorous it is. Yeah, but guys, Amazon is really brutal. The way their laws are and the way their regulations are, when I speak to any of the Amazon agencies, they, they are really, it's literally legislation that you need to read and understand and comply. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I would suspect it's rigorous because just knowing Amazon and de- dealing with them, de- having dealt with them and knowing their reputation. Yeah. But, but um, you know, so I just don't know if that, it, it's just interesting. Let's assume it's rigorous because of Amazon's reputation. That's a pretty big deal for these guys that they went through that and achieved that. That gives them a check in the box for sure. Yeah. I agree, guys. Okay, so uh, here they are saying the 3PL of modern e-commerce brands, which is great. That's who they are, to be honest. The way they are positioning themselves, the kind of capabilities they have. They have some very unique capabilities that not a lot of e-commerce merchants or even the the retail businesses, uh, you know, tend to exp- uh, explore or have right now. So they have, for example, subscription box fulfillment. Uh, which is a newer trend. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, uh, but that's going to be, okay, you have subscription for the product, uh, just like you are going to have subscription for Netflix. Uh, you know, this is going to be a subscription for the product. So that's the recent uh, trend. Uh, not a lot of ERP systems and the e-commerce systems are capable of supporting these business models. So there is new breed of systems that are able to support, but in their case, they are able to support this business model as 3PL. Again, that's a competitive edge in my opinion. The second thing that they are doing very unique that I have not seen anywhere, so, so which makes me really excited about this platform, that is going to be crowdfunding. And a lot of e-commerce brands, they do go through crowdfunding uh, you know, fulfillment. And when they are not going to be a real business, they are simply doing the campaign. They still require the, the same capabilities that a decent brand that is starting their journey is going to require. So you need all of those capabilities where as soon as your campaign is done, then you need to make sure that you are able to ship those products. And then finally, you need to ramp up and and, and, and do your the, the whole e-commerce setup that you need to do as a business. So that could be a great thing for really upcoming startups. Uh, here they are saying uh, receiving ship directly to any of our warehouses. So the way this is going to work and this I have seen with a lot of established businesses as well, that sometimes you don't even want to get product in your way. There could be some of the uh, you know physical constraints with the product. For example, let's say if you are in the frozen food business, now you might not have as much refrigeration capacity or that could be for you to be able to build. So you are probably going to be working with a 3PL uh, you know, in storing those products. So, so the product does not come to your warehouse. The product goes to their warehouse. That's where they are probably going to be shipping directly from there. In some scenarios, you might bring that product in-house that they are manufacturing to be able to manufacture and then you might ship from your facility. But in their case, they can do completely from their warehouse. That's what they are trying to say. Robert, go ahead if you have a comment. Robert, yeah, that, it's, it's good that they can take, um, receive directly at their warehouses because it saves you a step in that shipping cost that you're saving. Shipping costs and time. Yeah, completely agree. Okay, so uh, after receiving, they can do the storage. So here they are saying no commitment on storage fee. Same day picking and packing. Again, that's a big deal in a lot of cases. 
uh, not every 3PL will be able to accommodate that request. When they are saying get the best shipping rates, the ship high, that's what every shipping add-on and the vendor is probably going to claim. They probably have the similar rates. So I don't know if it is going to be best rates, but obviously read the numbers, do your costing the way Robert is saying. And you need to be really careful in understanding the numbers because they are never going to be able to apply guarantee. Now, this is the, the crowdfunding fulfillment. It looks really neat the way they have done. Obviously, their marketing and branding is, is, is very polished overall. So they have very uh, defined steps the way your crowdfunding fulfillment look. So they are saying we specialize in fulfilling orders from crowdfunding campaigns such as Indiegogo. Uh, our dashboard provides you complete control of the footprint uh, uh, process, including inventory, shipping, and kitting. Uh, and our software integrates with Indiegogo. Okay, now that's that could be a big deal as well because you are not going to find that. But I would doubt if for these campaigns you really require that integrate. That's probably a overkill in my opinion. I don't know how many times you are going to do these campaigns, but obviously if you have the pre-integrated software, that is probably going to be helpful. Where where that comes into play, and I, I find it interesting that they're highlighting Indiegogo versus Kickstarter, but um, it's the communication piece between the actual shipping of the order and tracking the order to the actual supporters of your campaign. So that takes all that that groundwork off of your hands for them to to fulfill that. You know, I've I've been a a, a contributor to many Kickstarters and you can tell the level of sophistication of some of these folks um, where some of them just never delivered two years later. And, you know, they, it was driven drab and it was, you know, like manual emails at two o'clock in the morning because, you know, they're, they're just trying to get the stuff out of their garage. And then there's the more sophisticated folks who have been around the block a few times. And, you know, there's a lot of automation involved. There's a lot of updates and automatic tracking. And it makes your your reputation infinitely better if your supporters get that kind of constant information when they want it and can track it and know exactly when they're getting the order then when they want to come back to the well again and try to do another campaign all the original supporters are going to go oh yeah you know they did a really good job i'm going to come back completely agree good points so now uh, you know after the crowdfunding is done they are saying after your this is the interesting part in my opinion i think they have done it so they are saying after your crowdfunding orders have been fulfilled we can help you with the continuous order fulfillment to put your business on autopilot you know obviously their goal is going to be to get as much because obviously they are 3pl but that may not be the in the best interest of your business. So make sure you do your numbers and, and figure out, you know, what is right for you. Okay, so now uh, they have some of the fee uh, mentioned as well. So in terms of the receiving fees, they are saying once your shipment arrives at our warehouse, we charge for unloading and putting away your inventory. That's going to be a standard functionality that you are going to get with your 3PL. Uh, but they are charging for it as well. So in their particular case, they are saying first two hours, it's going to be free. Additional hours, uh, they have $40 per man hour, which is not too bad. That's probably going to be your cost uh, if you did it yourself. Maybe 20 I don't know, Phil, uh, you know, how much you paid, uh, you know, when you had the facility. <laughs> Well, in a, in a in a DC, first of all, you gotta you gotta remember it's 2022, so the price of poker has definitely gone up. But if if you're running if you're running temp service and you got a decent temp service, that's pricey. If you're if you got full time employees and you got a 
and you got to uh, deal with door costs on it. That's probably getting closer, but it, but it's not low in my opinion. Yeah, not low, but also it depends on whether it's a union shop or not. Yeah, completely agree, guys. Uh, okay, so uh, now they have the storage fee. Each SKU requires its own bin, shelf, or pallet, and that's how they are probably identifying. So let's say if you're running your own e-commerce shop, you have your own where this is how should be, you should be organizing. So obviously, they are going to be slightly better overall in terms of their warehouse efficiency because they are in that business. Um, but you should be thinking about this as well when you are with your own. Uh, so here, they are charging per bin, large bin, they have a price, shelf, they have a different price. Pallet, they have a different price. Obviously, that's going to be based on the product, how large the product is, and what container you are probably going to require for storage. Um, and then they have the pick and pack fee. So here they are saying our picking and packing fee is based on the numbers of orders uh, you are shipping per month, which is not too bad. Uh, but, you know, again, when I look at $2 and I am like, okay, so depending upon how much margin you have, if you have a lot of margin, $2 is not a big deal. But if the product is going to be $2, then $2 could be a big deal. So obviously, you need to think about that as well. Okay, how much is your product, uh, you know, uh, overall the price and then the cost as well? Um, Phil? I thought, on their, I thought on their pricing, it looked like at this point where they were being pretty transparent. Yeah. And they were giving you the, you know, they're giving you some very, you know, solid numbers that you could start adding up. Um, they add up. So, I mean, just because it looks like small dollars, it adds up. But also, I think you got to come back around and say, okay, are there other things happening? Are there other hidden fees? Are there other things that are going to happen to me as far as how they start charging me later? But, uh, but Robert, these numbers do add up. I, I think you've done, you've done a little bit of comparison on this. I don't know if this is the right slide for you to hit that. I, I think this, this is a good one to certainly do it. So, if we consider a, uh, you're doing 10,000 orders a month. If you're using their service based on my understanding of their pricing structure, pick and pack is going to cost you $5,000. Your marketing team is going to want to make sure that you include documentation in every shipment to make the customer happy. So that's an insert. So their fee is 50 cents per insert. So that's another $5,000. And you want to include a packing slip so the customer knows what they ordered, what they paid, what's included in the box, and maybe some messaging on the bottom of your packing slip. For them, that's a dollar a packing slip, whether it's inside or outside the box. So that's another $10,000. You have to account for, let's say, 10% returns of all products shipped. I'm, I'm using Amazon as an example. That's pretty typical for Amazon. So that's like another $297. So total, you to ship out those 10,000 units, that's $20,000, excluding whatever the freight cost is. This is just the handling charge in the warehouse. Now, if these were your own employees, typically uh, 60 packages an hour for two employees for pick and pack is, is pretty standard. So that's going to cost you about $5,000. That's equal to them. Doing the insert, it should only cost you about $2,400. Adding the packing slip is another $2,400. So all, all in cost is only $10,000. So your own employees would cost you half as much as this service. So it, it, then it begins, you know, you have to ask yourself, does it make sense for me to have my own employees in my own warehouse? Or am I expanding and I can't afford to have a warehouse across country? So that's where you really have to do that deep analysis. So Robert, in that calculation, uh, is warehouse rent included? Because obviously that's going to be a big factor as well. That's a huge component. Uh, so in their case, obviously, they are storing, they have the warehouse, they have the real estate, and they are covering for that. So 
their fees. So I was just talking about handling the packages to get it picked, packed, and shipped. Yeah. So their their fees, you know, they sh- they showed on uh, slide seven. $3 a month for the small bin, $5 a month for a large bin, $20 a month for a shelf, and $40 for a pallet. You know, that seems to be pretty close to what I've seen across the industry for 3PL. Um, here in New Jersey, depending on where you look, you're going to pay probably $10 or $12 a square foot um, annualized. So a, a 10,000 square foot warehouse is going to cost you $120,000 for the year. And you know, you can fit an awful lot of product in that 10,000 square foot warehouse. You know, a lot of people as an interim, instead of having your own warehouse, they may uh, co-store with a larger entity that has a big warehouse, but has some available space and you just partake of that. So, you know, it's it's looking for the best opportunity for you that you can ensure that you're giving the customer service that you want. Right. And I, I think the way you, you slice that is correct, Robert, where that you're your labor cost in order to do the work is one bucket that you analyze. And then the storage cost that they're putting is the is the overhead bucket. And then you're also dealing with what's, what's the cost just to lease a warehouse, you know, or at least part of a warehouse. There's a lot of sublet stuff, you know, and then what do you already have? You know, how, you know, what, what do you already have that you're using that maybe you can use space you have? So those are just all the things you look at. And I think it comes back to earlier in the conversation is, at some point in time as you're scaling, I thought you gave a really good example is, okay, I'm scaling and I'm good to go in this part of the country, but in that part of the country, I'm starting to grow. So then I see a really nice ability to grow. Let me let me, let me use this as a, as a good way to get me going there before I make a commitment that I'm going to lease warehouse space so that I'm going to do something else that has a longer level commitment to it. Yeah, good point, guys. Um, so here, one of the things that I noticed, which is really differentiating for them, is going to be drift feed inventory into Amazon. And I don't know if other CPLs are able to support that, but that's a key piece of functionality, especially if you are supporting Amazon uh, business. So I, I really like that. To be uh, the the red flag and the concern I am going to have is going to be for the software. So I don't know why they are charging the subscription fee. It doesn't make any sense because you have the software for your own business anyways. So why are you trying to charge the subscription fee? Because you are trying to position yourself as the e-commerce platform. does not make any sense. Um, you know, So they have obviously itemized this one as well, and they are trying to do nickel and dime for everything. But this is probably not right in my opinion. Uh, why you would charge for the software fee as well as for immigration. Um, so now you are you know, trying to play the, the platform game when you are really 3PL in my mind. You should be pricing yourself as 3PL. Okay, so here, uh, then we have the wholesale and the FBA removals. Again, I like overall from the 3PL perspective, this is a very interesting piece of functionality uh, because this is actually going to help the e-commerce much a lot. So here they are saying buying in bulk much more is much more affordable and saves you more uh, time and money in the long run. But where can you store your inventory? So they are saying, okay, I have got the warehouse for you. I can store for you, which is wonderful. Uh, then they have the FBA removals and they are saying, has Amazon asked you to remove your inventory for, for some reason? And Amazon does. Okay. And then if you don't have a space, obviously you are going to. So at least they are able to help you, which is wonderful. I like it. And this is probably, I don't know if other 3PLs are probably going to have problems with that because if you are going to have any sort of ad hoc request in storing, and if they don't have space in the warehouse at that point of time, then I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> so, I, uh, Phil, Robert, do you have any any comments there? Uh, have you seen any situations? 
I, I think the space in the warehouse for for most 3PLs is not going to be the issue. The issue is going to be everybody's going to everybody's going to have their hand out under that situation because you're 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 you have to do something, right? So you are a captive audience. So it's just one more hidden fee, you know, when Amazon comes around and dings you with that thing that you're going to be paying somebody to help you handle it. The this really starts to get into the the danger zone for me. So they talk about um, they'll take a look at your packages and determine whether they can be reshelved to be sold again or whether they should be shipped back to you. And some things it's pretty easy to tell. Let's say that I'm selling shampoo, right? Is, is the bottle damaged? Is the seal open? You know, is the box broken? What do we do with that, right? So does that mean that if I'm shipping box, you know, shampoo bottles and they have a pretty packaging on the outside and the packaging is damaged. Does that mean that I have to ship them extra packaging so they can repackage it? There's a fee for that so they can resell it. Um, but if we're talking about higher end stuff like electronics and, and they're going to do returns, do they have the expertise to actually inspect it to make the determination whether or not it can be resold or not? Music equipment? No, I don't think so. I, I wouldn't trust, you know, I'd only trust my own people, not them. Yeah, and during the sales process, I guess, you know, based on my experience, Robert, I think they are going to be uh, having these few lists. Okay, these are the SKUs that we can support, and these are the SKUs you need to take care of yourself. Uh, that's my experience working with TPLs. Uh, typically, they are not going to commit for something that they are not uh, expert at. Uh, so I think there's going to be a little bit of uh, betting process there overall in terms of these and the quality process that it has to go through. Right, and on, on that point, Robert, the more established 3PLs, have very can have really robust standards yep. they do a lot of cross training with your qc people or with yourself and they and they and you know and they and they can be very good at that they can be as good or better as your people at that but that that has to be in their culture that has to be really one of their one of their core things that they're going to be as mindful of putting that box back on the shelf to sell again as you right and i i think you know we we now have a consistent theme across all of our shows together is where is the company in their maturity scale, you know, or their growth scale? Do they have the sophistication to ask the right question? Do not rely on the vendor to ask the right question because that, that's a gotcha. So you have to know what questions to ask and what responses you're looking for to make sure that you know what you're getting. Buyer beware. Amazing. Amazing, guys. So some more slides here. So here uh, we have the Amazon FBA prep service. So here they're saying they can even add all of your uh, FNSQ uh, labels to each unit. Uh, one of the best features of their Amazon prep service is the ability to remove inventory, which I personally like it as well. Uh, even if you need them to just check the stock update labels and send it back to Amazon, it's no problem. They can cover all of that. But I think Robert is right that there is probably going to be a price check for everything. So make sure you pay attention to the fine lines. Um, so they are saying given Amazon's high storage costs, you can drift feed your stock. And this is where they are describing how the drift feed is going to work. Uh, they are saying that my storage is going to be far cheaper than Amazon's. So you are better off storing in my warehouse, uh, which I personally like if you don't have your warehouse capacity. Uh, from ship hype to an Amazon fulfillment center as required. SFM, they don't have at this point of time. So they are going to be supporting SFM very soon. Uh, the pricing and fee, I think we covered fairly comprehensively overall. And I think Robert did mention the point about 
uh, you know, 50 cents per insert, which could be significant. Uh, but these are Robert promotional inserts. So I don't know if your packing slip, packing slip also, they are saying this is $1 per slip. So packing slip has a charge. Promotional inserts have a charge. Uh, custom packaging, I get it. I mean, that's fair. If you have the custom packaging, then... Uh, uh, I'm of two minds on this. I'm really happy that they're sharing this and you can see it and it's transparent. And my other side of my brain says their mentality is to nickel and dime you on everything they do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly 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 all right guys so i think we covered pricing uh a lot so here they have the the palette for wording service so this is how the drift feed is going to work so if you have uh forwarding price itself is like okay so they have a schedule for that up to five pounds it's probably going to be one dollar this is not bad and again i will take your comments guys uh towards the end uh, about this one whether you guys like it or not so let me do some more slides here. So here, this is the review of the the service, and you know some people are really complaining about it because obviously you know so our assumption was it could go two ways that they are being really transparent, really pricing. Some customers are really happy, but there are customers who are not happy about the pricing. So here they are saying this 3PL is by far the worst we have used. And guys, keep in mind some of these e-commerce merchants are going to be fairly new and super tight on cash. So obviously they are going to be very mad when you are going to be doing nickel and dime with them. So you need to be a little, uh, you know, fair with them. But the, the commentary says, you know, that this 3PL is by far the worst. We have used constant price increases and fluctuation. That's not a good sign. Why are you increasing? Is it because you did not set the expectation in the beginning? Or are you really increasing? If you are increasing, now that's a big deal. You could be increasing because of the supply chain challenges, because of the, you know, whatever is happening in the environment right now. Uh, that could be fair as well, but uh, that's not a good sign overall. And the fluctuation then followed by embarrassing email apologies and price retractions because of the high customer churn rate. So, you know, maybe they are really much, I don't know. But probably, uh, again, it's a very new startup, so they haven't figured out you know, what is going to be best for them. Obviously, they cannot afford to lose a lot. Otherwise, they'll be out of business very, very fast. So they have to figure that out. They are saying their market worth to their customers and understand underestimating their competition. This is an obvious sign of a mature company with an inexperienced management. Uh, obviously, they need somebody like fellow Robert uh, to take care of their business, I guess. You know, uh, they don't have. So, okay. So obviously, this customer is really mad. Uh, this they are also saying they have charged us two fifty dollars for Canadian local driver for just hundred gram of parcel. Actual change is eight dollars or charge. I, I guess he probably mentioned uh, there is eight dollars for that address. What they show it to you are different from what they charge you. That's not good. We tried to reach out to the company, uh, but owner never responded, which is again red flag. Uh, you know, then if we don't pay them in full, uh, yeah, a lot of problems. I think. Yeah, and the interesting one, and I wasn't sure because there's so few comments, you always got to be careful, like you said, Sam, of a negative review of what the real situation was, but they knew yeah. the owner's name and that is accurate. That is the owner's name. Yeah. So, so that gives this one a little credibility. Okay, so I have one more review, I guess, here. So they are saying because Amazon is limiting the inventory quantity we can ship to their FBA warehouse, the CPL warehouse is a very critical part of our business, but it was really difficult to find 
a good 3PL partner, especially in Canada. Ship height is amazingly organized, transparent, promptly. So obviously they like it. And I completely agree that you are probably not going to get this functionality with any other 3PL, which is a good sign. Uh, the other thing I would like to highlight here is going to be the list of features. So when you are going to look at e-commerce fulfillment, returns handling, crowdfunding, picking and packing, shipping, you know, all of this can come across as if this is a e-commerce platform. This is not an e-commerce platform. It's a 3PL service. You are using their software. You are integrating with that the way you would integrate with your, uh, you know, traditional 3PL. Uh, and that's pretty much it for the slide. Now I can open up for the degree. Uh, you guys. I'm going to jump it first. So, so I, I, this one was very interesting because they, there's, there's a lot here to like. They're, 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 uh, they're doing a service that a lot of these companies, as they trying to scale, they're at least buying you time, if not buying you a, a really good bridge before you have to make it to really invest in warehousing and people and pick and pack and packaging and all the other things that go with that. So that's really nice. I like their pricing. If 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 the customer who complained is is not if that's not correct or that's a one off and they're sticking to their price and they're consistent and it's transparent, I thought that was pretty good. And and um, I, I have the con the two concerns that Robert raised are sticking with me. And and one is that you really got to add up all the money. And these guys, these guys could very quickly eat your profits. You know, while, while you're while you're sitting there trying to grow your business saying, I don't have to worry about it. The next thing you know, you look and you're not making money. I wasn't sure they had the coverage that you would really need. And and they're very new. So, you know, so there's some things to be concerned. And then finally, just. I don't like putting other people between me and my customer. It's just, I'm just, I'm just not built that way. And so make that decision with a lot of thought and be very sober about it. Maybe test drive these guys and part of your business that once, once you have someone in between you and your customer, if things start to go sideways, it really can rough up your reputation. I like um, some of the features and functionality that this, this company has. I like the fact that they're, they're focusing on, uh, subscription boxes that they're going to be doing the crowdfunding campaigns. Yep. You know, there are so many people doing crowdfunding campaigns and it's easier for them to outsource that to make sure that it's done correctly. And they can just build that into their cost when, the, when they're trying to determine what, you know, what it's going to the, the end amount is going to be for their campaign. And, you know, they've done a pretty good job of being transparent. So really the onus goes back on the company trying to understand where does this fit in, in our path? You know, is this, is this for, you know, the next year or two until we open up another warehouse? If we, if we meet our growth or are we permanently outsourcing this? You know, they have specifically limited, uh, the company size that they're willing to deal with no more than a thousand SKUs. So they're looking for typically small brands. Yeah. Uh, and Phil, I'm actually going to have a follow up question for you based on your comment. Uh, so the follow up question is going to be when you are working in the startup space uh, and obviously, you know, both of you are new. Uh, E-commerce merchant is new. Implement platform is new. And you made the comment that, you know what, I don't like to have anybody else, my customer. And sometimes when you are working with 3PL, you are literally sharing your secret sauce because your secret sauce as the e-commerce player is going to be the product knowledge. Okay, that's who you are. Uh, you know, that's what differentiates you. That's why you exist in the business. And now you are sharing with 3PL. And I have seen some 3PL being in, you know, putting both legs in the business. So would you be worried about, let's say, them basically taking away your product or, uh, you know, listing 
your product and, and just running the e-commerce business as opposed to being a 3PL player? Would you be concerned about that? I, I don't know if I would. I mean, it's it, it'd be a horrible outcome, but I would think that they wouldn't do that more than a couple times and still be and still be able to to continue to grow their business. That's a trust break. Um, and and so I mean, I'd be mindful of that. But I I, I see this almost as a. I think you can protect yourself against that by doing your homework with other customers. You know, ask for references, things like that. Um, with a new company, it's hard to find a lot of, about them on the internet. But I would I would hesitate to be overly worried about that because if they would start doing that, they would they would not long be in business. People would be very upset and be vocal about it. Uh, my point is that it's it as the biz, as these small businesses scale, you get to these points on your journey where you have to do something. You know, even though I personally don't like putting someone else between me and my customer. I have to do something. I can't continue to scale the business and also try to manage the front side, uh, 3PL and, and the freight side and pick a back side of this. I'm not ready. So I have to make a decision to put somebody there. My main point is really be careful and sober about who you're picking for your partner. Make sure you get your references. Make sure you do the math and keep an eye on it. Just because you turn it over to them doesn't mean it's an automatic pilot, right? And don't be afraid to go darken their doorstep and go visit them either, by the way. So Robert, any any comments? Um, yeah, it's. I think if you go in there with your eyes open, have specific KPIs that you're looking for, have specific timeframes, so you know when is the appropriate time to transition to a 3PL, and when is the appropriate time to transition away from that or to a bigger one. All right, guys. So it's time to close. Any other final comments before I wrap? No. Okay. Wonderful. All right, guys. So that's a wrap. Again, uh, you know, it's a wonderful 3PL. It's a great startup. Uh, they have very transparent pricing. They have some very key functionality and features. Uh, and if you are trying to utilize that, if you don't have your internal capacity, uh, you know, it could be a great 3PL. So try it out, especially if you're outsourcing just some of your capacity, not everything. That's what I would do. I would probably not, uh, you know, outsource everything. I would probably keep something internal and then outsource something where it's going to be trickier. So that's it for today. If you join for the first time, this was part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one vendor or the solution that we review independently. So we are going to be here with another vendor or the solution next week. So make sure you are not going to miss it. So on that note, thanks once again, uh, everybody, for your time and insights. Right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks, everyone. I think I'll get enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Phil Kerper, head over to ringlingbusinesssolutions.com. It's R-I-N-G-L-I-N-G-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.com. If you want to learn more about Robert Brown, head over to rgbecommerce.com. It's R-G-B-E-C-O-M-M-E-R-C-E.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Rick Watson, who shares how to plan for warehouse and logistics architecture for DTC brands selling through marketplaces. Also, the interview with Phil Kramer, who shares his insights into integrated supply chain planning and why campaigns need to have an integrated strategy for their supply chain. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite 
podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.